0: Well, I want to start uh, kind of with an intellectual exercise to kind of see our understanding of God and his working in our life. And I'm going to make a series of statements to you. And I want you to think about the statement, and when and if you agree with it, I want you to say amen. Okay, can we do that? Amen? I know. Amen. All right. So you know, we don't have to say it all at the same time, but once you get to that place, you know, say it. And, and we're going to kind of progress here a little bit. Okay, my first statement, God loves you. Yes. All right, that was pretty easy, wasn't it? You know, uh, we all know that God loves us, for God demonstrated his love for us. And that while we're yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Here's another one. God loves you too much to let you remain in your sin. Yeah, okay, a little, I had to think about that one a little more. How about this one? God knows how to break you when you are in sin. How about this? God is willing to break you when you are in sin. All right, one final one. You decide how far God has to go. Do you agree with that? Are we the ones that decide how far that God has to take it to bring us back into His will? I want us to think about that, because we're going to talk about that a little bit later on here. We are obviously, we're going back to our series in Jonah. We're going to be in Jonah chapter two. If you're not there, you want to turn there by now. Uh, you saw last week in chapter one, we found Jonah was running away from the will of God. He was called to go to Nineveh, that horrible, evil place of Nineveh, but he didn't want to go, and so he ran in the opposite direct direction. And last week we kind of then uh, all of chapter one was kind of like a chess match between you know God and, and and Jonah. You know God called Jonah, but Jonah ran away. God pursues Jonah, but Jonah ignores him. God turns up the volume. But Jonah, you know, jumps into the ocean, gets thrown into the ocean. So God sends a fish to Jonah, kind of like checkmate we saw last week. So in chapter 2, as we, as we transition there, we're going to find Jonah being broken to the will of God. And God knows what it takes for each and every one of us, what it will take in our life to bring us to his will. Now, as I was kind of going over Jonah chapter 2, it's kind of amazing the things that come back into your mind. And some 40 years ago, uh, the first church that I pastored, um, we always had an opening Sunday school uh, class, and and we, we sang a lot of children's songs as we all met together. And I haven't sang this song for probably 35 years or even heard it, but it's called Hornets, and God kept bringing it back uh, to my mind, it, it's a cute song, but it makes a, a, a very uh, distinct point concerning God and his working with us. It says, when the Canaanites hardened their hearts against God and grieved him because of their sin, God sent along hornets to bring them to time and to help his own people to win. The hornets persuaded them that it was best to go quickly and not to go slow. God did not compel them to go against their will, but he just made them willing to go. (laughs) He does not compel us to go, no, no. He does not compel us to go, no, no. God does not compel us to go against our will, but he just makes us willing to go. And there's two, three other verses uh, that go along with that that I won't say that, but God just kept bringing that back to our mind. Because this is the truth that you find in Jonah. This is the truth that he finds in our own life. He does not demand of us that we go in a way that we cannot resist it. God has given us that free will. But he will move in our life to not make us, but just, you know, kind of get us willing. God, you are right in that we need to do this. And that's what we're going to see in Jonah chapter 2. We find Jonah being broken to the will of God. And that fish that is going to swallow Jonah was not simply there to preserve Jonah so he didn't drown. That fish was meant to break him and to compel him, or excuse me, to, to urge him to be obedient to the word of God. And we find that it was the perfect tool to do it. God always knows how far he has to go in a person's life. So let's consider this this breaking of Jonah here. We said earlier that we decide how far has to, God has to go with us. Well, if you just, again, quick reviewing of chapter one, we see, you know, in the first couple of verses, God commissioned Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah could have gone. That could have been it. Heard the voice of God, obedient to God, get up and go. But Jonah didn't. Jonah fled. God sends a storm. Jonah goes below, To to go to sleep, God exposed Jonah's sin by the casting of the lots. At that point, he acknowledges his disobedience, but he doesn't repent. God increases the storm. You know, the, the sailors are asking, what can we do? And ultimately, Jonah says, throw me overboard. That's the only way to stop it. And Jonah chapter 117, and Jonah was then in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. You see, we determine how far God has to go to get our attention. And that's what we're going to see in chapter 2, the breaking of Jonah, him coming to his senses and following the will of God. Um, It says in verse 1, "Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. Again, he's in the belly of the fish. He's been there three days, three nights. Finally, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol, and you heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and your billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point To the point of death, the great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountain. The earth with its bars was over and around me forever. But you have brought me up. You have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. We'll stop there for just a second. God has gotten Jonah's attention as we enter chapter 2. It says in verse 2, he says, I cried out to the Lord. Because of my affliction. In verse 7, when you go on there, it says, When my soul fainted within me, then I remembered the Lord. And, And did you notice how he described his breaking and what it took? I mean, he talks about afflictions. He talks about being in the belly of Sheol, in the heart of the sea, cast out of your sight, weeds wrapped around my head, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Matter of fact, it's interesting that a lot of what he says here in chapter 2 is quoting a number of the Psalms in different places. And again, I, just, I tell you this because quite often, knowledge of God's word isn't our problem. Our problem is obedience. Our problem is our will and giving it to God. And so God brought the perfect tool in Jonah's life to break him. His word wasn't enough. A storm wasn't enough. Being thrown overboard, the threat of being thrown overboard wasn't enough. But the fish, the fish was going to be the perfect instrument to break him. So real quickly, what do we know about this fish? Well, you know, all sorts of visuals come to mind. Uh, let me just tell you what it wasn't. Um, if you ever have seen the movie Pinocchio, Remember Pinocchio when, you know, they get swallowed by the whale and he's in this big cavernous area and he's kind of sitting there. You know, he's got a little fire going and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's not it. You know, that's not Jonah. Think constricted. Think dark. Think cold. Think smelly. Think about a living prison. I mean, that's literally how he describes this. And, and again, don't get caught up, as we said last week, in how can this possibly be? You know, how could a fish do that? How could someone survive it? Don't get caught up in it. Folks, if a guy who can just breathe out the stars, you know, from his mouth, he, he can prepare a fish to do this simple task of being able to keep Jonah alive. This fish was brilliantly prepared for Jonah. Jonah was running. The fish changed all of that. Jonah was comfortable, sleeping soundly. The fish changed that. Jonah was ignoring God. The fish was used to get God, to get his attention. Jonah was stubborn and woeful. The fish would change all that. Jonah smelled decent before this all started. <laughs> the fish changed all of that, folks. It was exactly what Jonah needed to be broken before God. And there's a real truth here for us. God knows what to do to bring us in to his will. I mean, do you need just that simple, small voice of God? Or do you need to be confronted? Do you need to crash and burn? Do you need to lose your job? Do you need serious sickness? Do you need a funeral to get your attention? Maybe a sermon is enough. To call you back to God. But God always knows. And you can see that pattern throughout the scripture. I think King, King Nebuchadnezzar. Back in Daniel chapter 4. Remember when he rose up in his pride. You know walking around Babylon. Look at all that my hand has done. Look what I have created here. And, and God humbles him. God breaks him. Matter of fact he causes uh, him to have a condition. That he basically lives like an animal for seven years. You know eating, eating the grass. And the dew of the ground falling upon him. For seven years to get Nebuchadnezzar's attention until ultimately he looked back to God. The prodigal son, now I know that's a, it's a parable that we tell, but you know, it's, it's, it's got a real meaning there. You know he, he, he runs off in wild living, but he loses his money. He faces a famine. He ends up in a pigsty. And then he says he came to his senses. Saul, whose name ultimately turned to the apostle Paul, Acts chapter 9, He's a great persecutor of the church. How many Christians he had arrested. How many Christians he had beaten. He had them imprisoned. How many families he broke up. And it says that when God met him on that Emmaus road, or or excuse me, on the uh, the road to Damascus, when God blinded him for three days, it says, quote, he received his sight at once after three days, and he arose and he was baptized. Baptized. God knew what it would take to break Saul. And he has that same promise for every single one of us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6, it says this. We'll go ahead and we'll put these verses up here. It says, have you forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. In other words, don't, you know, don't, don't think it's nothing. Don't, don't think it's not important. Don't regard it lightly. It's important. Don't faint when you are reproved by him. And God doesn't hate you. God doesn't, you know, he isn't casting you from his sight. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son whom he receives. A good parent disciplines their kids. Folks, matter of fact, not getting disciplined should be scarier to you than being disciplined by God. Because if you are not disciplined that means you're not a child of God, because folks, I, you know, we have a lot of kids running around here, and they do a lot of stuff in the church, and a lot of maybe, you know, they'll do stuff they're not supposed to do. And I might see them. I'm not their parent, though. It's not my job to discipline them. I might, you know, tell them, "Hey, stop doing that" or whatever. But I'm not going to set them in the corner. I'm not going to, you know, give them a swat on the butt. I'm not going to ground them. I may come and tell you. But it's only my own children that I did those things to because they are my responsibility. And if we can be outside of the will of God and nothing happens to us, that is scarier than anything that God would bring into our life because whom the Lord loves. He chastens, he scourges, he disciplines every son he receives. It goes on in Hebrews 12, 1, and it says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You see, the purpose of God's discipline in our life is always to bring about change. And discipline is not pleasant. But it's necessary for us to to develop. And if we submit to discipline, it says it results in fruit, fruits of, of righteousness in our life. And this is what you're going to find. This is what God was doing. This is what was on display in his working in Jonah's life. So Jonah, you know, the fish again is sent to to discipline, to get his attention, to get him back into the will of God. And so we're going to see the repentance of Jonah going on from verse 7 to the end of the chapter. He says, while I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your temple." Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. I want to give you very quickly five steps of Jonah's repentance. I think it's a good indication of what God wants from us of our repentance when he's trying to get our attention. The first step is brokenness. It's in your your, uh, bulletin there in the outline. The first step is brokenness. Sometimes it requires a fish. Sometimes it might require taking us down to a pig pen. Sometimes it just requires a still small voice. But a brokenness is coming to the end of ourselves and humbling and falling before God. And that's what we fought, found that Jonah did. The first step is brokenness. The second step in your life, my life, is a crying out. It's realizing that I am not sufficient in, my, in and of myself. But God is. I'm not sufficient, but God is. Jonah said in verse 2, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. Verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayers went up to you. It's not just a matter of feeling sorrowful for what he did, but he cried out to God. He saw himself, he came to the end of himself, and there he found God. The third thing is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Verse 2, he said, he answered me, you heard my voice. Verse 6, it says, the earth and its bars closed behind me forever, yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. In verse 9, he declares salvation is of the Lord. You know, we're going to learn in, in, in when we, by the time we get to chapter 4 and verse 2, remember that great proclamation that Jonah makes. He says, I know that you are a gracious and a merciful God. You are slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Well, this is what Jonah experienced. He experienced that God was gracious. He experienced that God was, was merciful, abundant in loving kindness. You know, he relents from doing harm. I mean, as soon as Jonah turned, you know, you know it, it stopped. The discipline stopped. Jonah experienced it. The city of Nineveh is going to experience it. And the beauty of it for us is that you can experience it too. That same forgiveness that God so easily wants to give us, it can be anyone's here. And we're going to talk about that a little later here when we get towards the end. So that's three, forgiveness. Number four is a thankfulness. Verse 8 and 9, he says, Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. You know, forgiveness was upon request, and the thankfulness was kind of the natural outpouring, the natural response of, of realizing that we have been forgiven. That's our only response. And and, and again, kind of as a side note here, there's a real grave danger when we kind of lose the wonder and the gratitude for our forgiveness. You know, when you you lose the wonder that God loved you so much that he went to the cross and he gave his life for you, that he was beaten, that he was bloody, that he shed his blood, the only way for you to have hope, the only way for you to have heaven, and Jesus Christ did it. And when you lose that, okay, yeah, we know that. What's next? You know, when you lose that awe, that, that wonder of it, I think we become kind of like the, the church at Ephesus, you know, that, that Christ wrote to in the book of Revelation, become very orthodox, you know, but, you know, they lost their, their connection with God, that, that passion that we're supposed to have for God. You know, it's important to have that thankfulness, the, never lose the wonder of, of who we are who we were before Christ, and now who we are because of Christ. Number five, new direction, a new direction. We went into chapter three a little bit. It says, so Jonah rose, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. There is no such thing as salvation, repentance without changing a direction. That's actually one of the definitions you find of the word repentance. A 180 degree turn. I was walking away, now I'm walking towards. You know, it's a pattern for Jonah, and it's a pattern for our lives as well. And I love, I love how it says in verse 10. It says, then the Lord, I mean, after he repented, salvation is from the Lord. New direction, God knows he's going to obey. It says, then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah, you know, up on the dry land. Land. That verse didn't say, so the Lord spoke to the fish, but the fish decided to pull a Jonah and went off in the other direction. Didn't say that. It didn't say, so the Lord spoke to the fish to keep Jonah in a couple more days just to teach him a real good lesson. It doesn't say, so the Lord spoke to the fish to spit Jonah out into the water and make him swim the rest of the way in shore. You know, timing indicates that the moment that Jonah cried out to the Lord, that the fish spit him out upon dry land. Our God is not petty. Our God is not unfaithful. He's not inconsistent. He is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in loving kindness towards us. So let's talk about a couple applications. Okay. We've got all of this in Jonah. We've got all of his repentance. We see the example. God, what do you want me to learn from this? Well, let me give you two things here. First of all, in the question we've looked at, how far will you make God go in your life? How far will you make God go in your life to get your attention, to get you back? God loves you. We agreed to that. God loves you too much to let you remain in your sin. God knows what to do, you know, to bring you back when you are in your sin. And God is willing to do what it takes to bring you back. You see, it's us who decide how far God has to go. And then the second thing will be whether or not we have this pattern of repentance. I mean, you know... Hebrews 12 made it very, very clear. If you're a child of God, I mean, we're going to have our ups and downs in our relationship. I mean, the fact that we had a down or we fell into sin or something isn't a, you know. I mean, it's God wants us to know what's going to happen and how he's going to bring us back. And he doesn't want us to stay away from it, him. and But we need a, a pattern of repentance. We need to not just be sorrowful for what we've done, but there needs to be a repentance we talk about a brokenness. We talk about crying out to God. And then a forgiveness, him forgiving us, and then a thankfulness for that. And then ultimately that new direction that he gives us. And, 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 and with that as a truth, I, I just want to talk here for just a second. Any of you who are not Christians, today could be your day of salvation. This is, this is salvation here. To come to a brokenness to see that we are sinful. I am sinful. I did that when I was 15 years old. I mean, I wasn't even a bad kid by, you know, you know teenager's standards. Um, but that was a, there was a heaviness upon me being separated from God. I remember when I was 15 years old, I can still remember being in that. Um, it, it was a revival service for youth. I can still remember sitting there. And God just weighing upon me, my sin, and, and just a brokenness before him. And then that ultimately crying out, desiring, hungering, wanting him. Then ultimately praying and receiving that forgiveness. And, and my life was changed forever. A thankfulness. And I was given a new direction. God, that can be for you today. You know, if you are not a Christian today, today could be your day of salvation. And if you are a Christian believer, could, today could be your day of restoration. You look at your life, are you outside of the will of God in something? God is trying to get your attention. He's going to get your attention. Save yourself the discipline. Don't wait for God to prepare a fish for you. We determine. God, Jonah could have from the very beginning, when God said, Go to Nineveh, he could have said, Okay, I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it. He could have done it at any point. He could have, when the storm came, he could have said, I'll do it. When when they confronted him by the casting of the lots, More than just acknowledge, hey, this is my fault, he could have said, I I guess I better get to Nineveh. We determine how far God goes. God is not petty, but he is just. He is abundant in loving kindness. And I say again, you know, if there is anyone here who ever wants to talk to somebody about accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior, we would love to talk to you about it. We mentioned, uh, Pastor Mike mentioned that we had a, uh, it was a young girl who got saved this past week. Uh, past week uh, Charlotte Sherrills accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior, and uh, the the beauty of it is, you know, that's between you and God. You can speak to Him. We're here just to help you, to answer any questions you might have. It doesn't need to be me. I, I, my wife uh, actually had the privilege of leading her to Christ, and and she said that she had said that she wanted to talk to Pastor Larry, uh, you know. I don't save anybody. You can talk to anybody here who knows Christ as their Savior. And they can point you in that right direction. And I just want to encourage you. You're not too old. You haven't been to church too long. You think, well, you know, if I made that decision now, it would look kind of silly. It wouldn't. If you search within your heart and you, you're not positive that you are a Christian, that you are forgiven, that you have come to the end of yourself and there you have found God and you've given your heart to him, if you haven't, You you need to be saved. You need to accept Christ as your Savior. Let's pray. Father God, I so thank you for that simple but powerful proclamation about your loving kindness, your abundance mercy. Because Father, what you showed to Nineveh, what you showed to Jonah, Father, that's the same that you want to show to each and every one of us here. Christians, Lord, when I'm far away from you, you want to draw me back to you, to that abundant life. And Father, you are drawing people as well at all times to a new life in Jesus Christ. Either one, Father, either one, Father, that's dealing in our hearts right now, I pray that we will make that step towards you. I thank you, Father, for what you have done on the cross. I thank you for that hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.